as we continue in worship and we go to God's word, we find ourselves in the summer, well into the summer, and we are in our summer series, Summer in the Spirit, and we've been looking at this idea that the, that the Holy Spirit wants to produce fruit, fruit in our lives. And these aren't just individual fruits, but this is the fruit. It's a singular coming from the source of the Holy Spirit. And yet these, 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 this fruit, uh, it's not like we just get to pick and choose which one we want or which one we want to manifest. In fact, uh, we have the opportunity as Christians to manifest the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. And yet this doesn't happen naturally. You know, in our natural selves, we've learned in Galatians chapter five that Paul says, in our natural selves, we produce a very different kind of fruit. If I can even call it that, I don't, I don't even know if you would call it fruit. It's a diseased kind of fruit. It's a fruit that comes from the tree of self. And I love it how Paul says about this tree of self. He's like, look, you really wanna know what this self produces? I mean, do I even have to go into it? Do I even have to explain all that is involved in it. The tree of self is self-focused. It's self-interested. You know, it, it's, it's, self, it's seeking self-preservation, he says. He goes into all these different ways in which, you know, we are trying to be self-seeking and self-consumed. The this, this selfish desires that is of the self produces a diseased fruit. You know, when uh, we're producing this diseased fruit coming from the self, true things become twisted. Beautiful things become bruised. Healthy things, they become diseased. So if you have any one of these, you know, twisted and, and bruised and diseased things in your life, you want to pluck it out. You want to take it off that tree. And yet we know that as we just take off one of those diseased fruit, something else is bound to spring up. You know, if you take out anger, something else is going to spring up like jealousy. Or if you pull off jealousy, then any one of the other kinds of diseased fruits are going to spring up in our lives. The, the solution that Paul offers us is not that we would just go around plucking off all of these different kinds of diseased fruit, hoping that something else won't grow in its place. No, Paul says, if there's diseased fruit in your life, you got to look at the root. There's something going on under the surface. There's something that, or someone that you're not connected to. You're not following someone's lead. And that's what's producing all of this diseased fruit. We, yes, have a fruit problem oftentimes, but it's, the fruit problem is a manifestation of a root problem. We're likely rooted in self. And so as we go to God's word, we need to learn we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to transform. We want to move from this tree of self into this tree of the Spirit. We don't want to be rooted in self. We want to be rooted in the Spirit. We don't want to just produce this fruit of the self. We want to produce this fruit of the Spirit. So let's go there together. We're going to go to the book of Galatians. Yes, we've been reading in Galatians chapter 5. I imagine by this point you might have this memorized, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. And if you believe it to be true, at the end, I'm going to say this is the reading of God's word. And you can respond by saying, thanks be to God. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. By contrast, Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. Friends, this is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. You know, as I've been preparing for this sermon on gentleness, I was approaching a friend and I said, you know, when you hear the word gentle, when you hear the word gentleness, what do you think of? He looks at me straight face and he's just like, baby. I'm like, okay. Uh, You think of baby. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit more? Like, what is it about the baby that you think of? And he's like, well, I think about a baby because a baby is both gentle and you need to treat a baby with gentleness. And it got me thinking, I'm like, huh. If we are to bear the fruit that is described as gentle, (laughs) I wonder if that's what we think of when we think of the word gentleness. Oh, that's for babies, you know? Who wants to be a baby? Do you want to be defined as a baby with your coworkers, with your colleagues, within your community? Oh man, so-and-so, that guy, that gal, she's just a big baby. Like, no, like we don't want to be defined as this. And I wonder if there is something subconscious, maybe even conscious, where we think about this idea of gentleness. And we think to ourselves, gentleness, those are for babies. If I have to treat somebody with gentleness, it's because they're a baby. I was thinking about that and I was like, man, you know, um, as we go back, to God's word, we have to reconsider if this is our perspective on gentleness, that it's by babies for babies, <laughs> that we need to reconsider what gentleness even means. Let's go to God's word. Let's, let's look at what God has to say because Paul is contrasting two very different things. When he says gentleness, he's, con- he's contrasting that with a very different fruit from a very different tree. He's contrasting it with the fruit of self. So as we go back, we're going to go back to Galatians chapter 5. But yes, we're going to go back to Galatians 5, 16 through 21, because this is where we learn of the fruit of self. Galatians 5, 16 through 21, Paul writes, Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, Paul says, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, And then he says, and things like these. He's like, I could go on, you know. All these diseased fruit are listed here and they stand in glaring contrast to the fruit of the Spirit. Let me give you an example. The fruit of the flesh, Paul says, is repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. Well, that's not what we read. We read in the NRSV, which is the translation which we're reading. He says, uh, Paul says it's fornication. Okay, fine. But we know that one night stands, sleeping around, it's not love. 
We know that. I don't have to sit here and like give a sermon on that. That's not something that's like, oh, new news to us. We know that intuitively. It's obvious. This kind of sexual behavior is not rooted in the spirit. It's rooted in the self. Cheap sex. It's all about gratifying the desires of self. So if a one night stand is contrasting love, what about gentleness? If gentleness is on the fruit tree of the Holy Spirit, then, then what contrasts it on the, on the tree of self? Is being hostile towards someone gentle? How about intentionally rubbing someone the wrong way? That's like using sandpaper for a baby's blanket. I mean, that's not gentle. Anything that is severe or harsh or callous or hard-hearted stands in complete contrast to the Spirit's work, specifically speaking to gentleness. If gentleness made the list as the fruit of the Spirit, I think it's important that we explore three things. What it is, why it matters, and what we need to do to be able to demonstrate it. So let's start with the first one. What is gentleness? Remember that interaction that I had with my friend? You know, the friend shared this with me that, you know, his response was babies, you know. He said, well, babies are two things. Babies are gentle and you need to treat babies with gentleness. And as I heard this, I was like, you know what? I think you're right on one of those two things. You know, I think you're right. With, with babies, we do need to treat babies with gentleness, right? I mean, a baby can't hold its own bottle. A baby can't even hold its own head up. Like we need to be careful as we hold a baby to make sure that we're supporting its neck. We need to be gentle with the touch. We need to be gentle with how we speak to a baby because their ears are sensitive. So I would agree with him that we need to treat babies with gentleness. But when he said that babies are gentle, I'm like, clearly you don't have kids. Like, babies can be monsters. I mean, they, they have, with all of their strength, they will like pull out your beard, okay? With all of their strength, such a sweet little baby can pull out your hair. They can scratch your eyes out. Oh, clearly, Benedict has left more than just physical scars in my life. They can be monsters, let me give you an example. When a baby approaches a dog, what do we say? Gentle, be gentle. Are we talking to the dog? No, we're talking to the baby because the baby's about to rip the dog's ears off. Like, gentle. I just did it today. My son was playing with our dog and I was like, gentle, gentle. I wasn't talking to my dog. My son was trying to crush my dog. Babies, no. Babies aren't gentle. In fact, losing your temper, selfishness, jealousy, and doing whatever feels good, these are qualities of an infant. Being gentle, it takes a mature person to be gentle. Gentleness is the fruit of those who are spiritually mature. So as we go back, well, actually, we're not going back. We're going to James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. James, the brother of Jesus, writes, Who is wise and knowledgeable among you? Show by your good life that your works are done 
with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be arrogant and lie about the truth. This is not wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Being gentle, it's not the quality of someone who is soft. Being gentle is not the quality of someone who is weak. Quite the opposite. Being gentle shows that you are actually mature, that you're actually wise, that you're actually knowledgeable. Gentleness is maturity. Maturity is this ability to manage our power, to be able to control our power for the well-being of somebody else. Gentleness is power restrained. Yes, you can be powerful and be gentle. It's that you're able to, in your gentleness, control your power for the well-being of something or someone. Being gentle doesn't make you a baby. <laughs> Treating someone with gentleness, it doesn't make them a baby either. And you're thinking, gosh, is this pastor still talking about babies? <laughs> yes, I'm almost done. <laughs> See, gentleness is not something that I'm seeing a whole lot these days. You know, I'm not seeing it from our society and yet I'm not expecting it from our society. I'm not seeing it from the church and I do expect it from the church. I expect it from myself. I expect it from you. I expect it from all of us. Gentleness is the fruit of the spirit. And so I hear groans all the time from Christians who say, you know what? Why do we have to be so PC all the time? Why do we have to, I, I just wish I could just tell it like it is, you know? Those people, they're just too sensitive. I hear this all the time. And as Christians, we often, in, in, in our current context, for whatever reason, we admire people who just tell it like it is. And I wonder about that, that phrase, you know, because we like it when people tell it like it is, as long as it's not about us, then I don't really like it at all. Like, I wish you wouldn't just tell it like it is, you know? But we do, we admire these people. But why? Why do we love it? Why do we love it when someone just tells it like it is? I believe it's because it, it feeds our tree of self. It feeds that root of self. Now, don't get me wrong, I appreciate straight talk. Straight talk, man, straight talk builds trust. Straight talk, talk is all about speaking the truth in love. Straight talk is about, you know, bringing attention to potential blind spots. I appreciate straight talk. But when I hear, you know, I appreciate someone who just tells it like it is, I don't hear straight talk. I hear, you know, I just love it when someone can just kind of fly off the handle and say whatever they want to say without any concern of the well-being of someone else. That doesn't sound like it comes from the tree of the Spirit. It doesn't sound like it's root in the Spirit. It doesn't sound like it's the fruit of the Spirit. 
It sounds like it's the fruit of self. When we show no regard for the needs and feelings and concerns of others and they get upset, does that make them overly sensitive? Or does that make us insensitive? The Apostle Paul says it is not of the Spirit to say whatever we want or to do whatever we want. This isn't the fruit of the Spirit. This is the diseased fruit of the self. And I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in uh, James chapter 3, verse 18. He says, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only, only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor, gentleness. Gentleness is hard work, Paul says. It involves treating one another with dignity and honor. Even those that you disagree with, especially those you disagree with. We have to, church. Even those we disagree with. Be gentle. Treat them with dignity and honor. Acting and speaking with gentleness does not make you weak. And acting and speaking with gentleness does not make the person you're speaking to fragile either. It's not like there's just some delicate piece of pottery that you're like, oh, I, I have to, oh man, I wish I didn't have to treat you so gently. I wish you were just harder and can handle it. No, it doesn't make them weak. It makes you loving. It makes you gentle. And it demonstrates that you actually have some control over your strength and of your power. Gentleness is a demonstration of strength. It's a demonstration of love. It is vital for a healthy and strong community. If you want a healthier community, we gotta step up our gentleness game. But I could hear you saying in defense maybe, because I also said this in my defense, but <laughs> Jesus wasn't gentle. Hmm, maybe you're right. He did say, you brood of vipers. He did say, get behind me, Satan. He did turn some tables in the synagogue. Maybe you're right. Maybe Jesus wasn't gentle. But there are three things that I want us to keep in mind when we consider whether or not Jesus was gentle. One, you and I, we're not Jesus. That's first and foremost. Two, Paul in Galatians is not writing the letter to Jesus. He's writing it to you and me. And three, the times that when Jesus might have been somewhat abrasive, he was more abrasive towards his own community, to the people in which he was in relationship with, to the people in which he loved. That's important for us to consider. When, when Jesus said, brood of vipers, you brood of vipers, who is he speaking to? He's speaking to his own religious leaders the people that he submitted in authority. He was calling them his brood of vipers. Why? Because they were jealous. They were producing the fruit of, of the self. They were jealous of the fruit of the spirit that was being displayed through his ministry. When Jesus said, uh, get behind me, Satan. We, love, we remember that one. We love that one. It's like, who's he speaking to? He's, he's speaking to one of his closest friends, Peter. He tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because Peter was overly concerned about his own self-interests. 
Peter was rooted in his self. And, and Jesus is like, get behind me. I got to, I, I'm following the spirit. I'm following the father. When Jesus was turning over tables, where was he? He was turning over tables in the sanctuary. Why? Because the religious community was turning the sanctuary into a moneymaker. And that was not okay with him. And so he starts flipping tables. All of these things that we might say, oh, well, Jesus wasn't very gentle. He was directing that to the community that he loves for their own well-being, for their own healing and wholeness. But Jesus was gentle. Think about it. Jesus was gentle with the outsider, the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. He was gentle with her. He was gentle with the woman who was caught in adultery when he's riding in the dirt and says, woman, has anyone condemned you? And he says, neither have I. He was gentle with the woman who was bleeding for 13 years. He stops and he asks, who has touched me? And he stops and sees her and speaks with her. He was gentle. Jesus was gentle. Jesus was gentle with the man who was, um, you know, the, the, the healing of the servant of the guard who was sent to arrest him. When Peter whips out his sword and doesn't use gentleness, he uses power, he uses strength, and he cuts off the guy's ear. What does Jesus do? He uses gentleness. He picks up the ear and puts it back on the servant and heals him. The very man who was his enemy, he heals him. Jesus was gentle. Jesus was gentle when he was in front of Pontius Pilate, the Roman official who sentenced him to be crucified. Jesus was gentle with him. He doesn't even place blame on him. He could have at that moment brought down legions of angels and he chose not to. He didn't destroy Pontius Pilate. He was gentle with him. And Jesus was gentle with you and I on the cross. Do we not remember? Jesus looking out over all of us, saying, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. Jesus is gentle with us. Jesus was gentle. Gentleness is a key identifier of a Christian. Jesus says, the gentle will inherit the earth. And he invites us to take my yoke upon you. He's, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. Follow me and you will find rest for your souls. The Apostle Paul appeals to us with the gentleness and humility of Christ. He calls us to conduct ourselves with gentleness, to put on gentleness, to pursue gentleness. And to I want you to hear this church. We gotta hear this church. Correct your opponents with gentleness. Correct your opponents with gentleness. It feels like <laughs> these days we're either heading into or, or, or in or coming from some sort of election season, doesn't it? It feels like we're always talking about or we're in it or we're about to leave it. And in that, gosh, there's always opponents. Correct your opponents with gentleness. Correct your opponents with gentleness. There's a story found in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus does this. Luke chapter 13, verses six through nine. We read that 
there's this parable that Jesus shares. He says, then he, Jesus, told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Remember, <laughs> this is a parable. Don't go to Jerusalem looking for this specific fig, fig tree that Jesus is talking about. This is a parable. It's a fictitious story to make a very real point, a very real truth. And so we got to ask these questions really quickly. Who, what does the fig tree represent? Well, the fig tree represents you and I. For this conversation, it represents the church. It represents those of us who are not bearing the fruit of gentleness. Well, who's the vineyard owner? Who's the vineyard own? <laughs> this is generally thought to be God the Father. And look, it's okay that the vineyard own would expect that his fig tree would produce fruit. I mean, it is his fig tree, isn't it? So then who's the gardener? That's Jesus. I love it. And what does Jesus identify? What's Jesus' solution to this problem of the fact that this fig tree isn't bearing fruit? What's he advocate for? Does he say, ah, oh, you know what? Let's just give it another year and see how it goes. No, he says this. He says, uh, we're not gonna just keep doing what we're doing. It's not just a matter of time. Jesus in his gentleness, and I want you to catch this. Jesus says, yes, in your own, you do have the power to rip it out, to cut it down. Yes, you have the power to do that, but I want to advocate for something else. Let's be extra gentle. Let's be extra gentle for one more year. What do I mean by extra gentle? Well, this tree is already planted in soil. It already has a plot of land. It's already been watered. It's already been cared for. But the gardener, Jesus, is advocating for us and saying, Let's pour into them a little bit more. I want to be extra gentle. Jesus says, let me get my hands on it. Let me do some digging around its roots. I want to get to the truth of what's going on. Let me pour more nutrients in and around it. I want to give it some more grace. I want to care for it with more grace and with more truth. And then over time, oh, let's see what happens. I believe it's going to bear some fruit. Jesus is gentle with us. That's Jesus. The reality is we are all that tree in some form or another. Sure, you might bear the fruit of gentleness, but imagine we all don't bear the fullness of the fruit. We all don't taste as the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. We all have gardening that we need Jesus to do. So maybe you're gentle and maybe gentleness is evident in your life. Whether it's gentleness or another aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, you can't produce the fruit on your own. You have to be connected to the root. You need a gardener. You need Jesus to do some landscaping. James, again, like we read earlier, James, the brother of Jesus, writes in his letter titled James, in chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. This is 
again in the message translation. I just want you to hear it in a different way. You know, sometimes we hear scripture. Oh, we know what that says. Yeah, we got it. We got it. But when we hear it in a slightly different way, it helps us. And that's why I'm offering this to you. James writes, post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears. Follow up with your tongue and let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener God landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. I love that, that last line. In simple humility, let our gardener God landscape you. Can you you picture it? You have that image in your mind? Jesus, in his gentleness, wants to landscape your life. Let's, let's, Let's let Jesus do this hard work. Let's allow him to do some digging in our lives. With more grace and more truth and more time, I believe the Holy Spirit will do this supernatural work of producing the fullness of the fruit in our lives. See what gentleness is. Gentleness is power that's restrained for the well-being of others. Gentleness is the fruit of one who is spiritually mature. It matters. It matters. It's not a sign of weakness. Gentleness is vital for a healthy community. It's it's vital for us to thrive in our relationship with God, in our relationship with one another. The good news is that Jesus is gentle. He continues to restore us today with his gentleness. And we, church, are to restore one another with the gentleness of Christ. So brothers and sisters, Ah, beloved, deeply loved by God, followers of Christ. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let's pray. Lord God, our great gardener, I just love that picture. Ah, would you get your hands on us? Would you do that tilling of the soil? Would you get underneath the surface of our lives? Would you look at the root of what we're connected to? Would you do your supernatural work in us? Would you bring healing and restoration to us that we might be connected to the root of the Spirit? We might be led by the Spirit so that we might be able to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Specifically, Lord, produce in us the church, your gentleness. May it be evident to all and may it bring healing and wholeness to our communities. We pray these things for your glory, Jesus. Amen.